When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With the fourth pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets select... It's Garrett Wilson. Evan Neal is just different. Jets fans, this is our time. Off season. Season's over. There's no team to disappoint us. All we can talk about all these mock drafts, all these players falling on the Jets. However, free agent wants to come sign up for the team with the worst record over the past five years, because you know that's realistic. Yeah, this is our time. And I'm joined, as always, with my guys, Joe. Season's over. Zach Wilson was kind of meh, but uh, how you feeling? I'm doing well, Meeks. I'm pretty pumped for today. We got uh, one of TOJ's finest, Dan Essien, with us, so I'm excited for that. Excited to get into some hot takes and you know, give the listeners what they want, which is some uh, good draft talk and a little craziness. So let's get into it, right? Couldn't agree more. James, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Really excited for today for some half-baked uh, hot takes. So this should be pretty fun. Yeah, no, I can't wait to uh, deny everything that was said on this episode if it was wrong in like the next coming months. But we do have a guest today, uh, writer for Turn on the Jets, creator of the draft season website, probably the n- number one Sheldon Rankin stand. Then I- I'd like to slide in at number two. I know people were talking about cutting that man, and that really hurt my guy Dan's heart. But Dan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I've been I've been dying to get on here. I'm so glad uh, y'all have me on finally. And uh, I know it's really on me uh, having the worst schedule on earth. Uh, so <laughs> I'm glad we finally linked up. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. And yeah, I, I just got to say, uh, PFF lied. Uh, Sheldon Rankins is definitely not a 35 out of 100 type of player. That that is that is not the case. Yeah, no, like Nate Shepard takes real snaps and we're like, do we want to pay Sheldon Rankins 5 million bucks? And this is like real conversation on Jets. Like, come on, guys. What have you done, PFF? <laughs> what have you done? But uh, yeah, we basically, our entire Slack is just us throwing around half-baked ideas and fire takes that we kind of semi-believe. So we thought we'd just make that an episode. And, uh, you know, all all these all these were true at the time, barring a material change. What a shout out to the guy who said... uh. Kawhi was going to Lakers, but then there was material change. So that's basically how we're living. Um, I have a very interesting trade offer that I'm going to present to the guys in a little bit. But Dan, you're a guest. I know you've come with many takes. So give us your best one to start. 
Correct. I got to give you all my best one. I know uh, I've been doing this trenches stuff all year. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick in the trenches. Um, I'm going it, to, it's a shout out to somebody who I feel like everybody forgot about. And I think uh, everybody's, uh, everybody's, I think, turning away a little too quickly. Uh, and I know there's uh, maybe some off the field stuff that got people a little worried, but I don't think it's anything to worry about, particularly with the way that uh, our world is going. And that's uh, DeMarvin Leal. Uh, I think he still to this day has the most upside of almost any player in this draft. I will say the only player with more upside in this draft is Kayvon Thibodeau. I think DeMarvin Leal is a freak of nature. Uh, quickness, like I've never seen somebody have at 290, just ridiculous, ridiculous quickness. I think he's going to do pretty well at the combine. I think there are going to be people who like will take more macro measurements and be like, ah, oh, that's not that great. Like a not that good 40, oh, I don't really care. Oh, that's, he must not be a good player. Uh, and they're going to miss everything that he's shown on film of just being a dominant player when he's healthy and when he wants to be. Uh, and so I, I think I think a player like that, some team's going to luck into because I've seen him completely left out of some mocks lately, and that is wild to me. Uh, but he's going to have an interesting comment. I know they're going to ask him a lot of questions, going to ask him about uh, off-field stuff and, and all that. But like, yeah, no, I think I think he has the biggest upside of uh, any player in this draft other than Kevon. Okay. Well, um, DeMarvin Leal is a player I loved over the summer, and then I watched him this season, and he's kind of like Christian Barmore last year where you're like, does he like? Does he know he can stop the run? Like, I feel like I'm watching the Jets sometimes when I watch him. I'm just like, ooh, ooh. But his that spin move video is like he has literally just absolutely crazy traits. Um, just a crazy, crazy motor when he wants to play. But Joe, I know you're a big Leal guy, so this is probably right up your alley. Well, Leal was one of the first people I actually brought to the table like uh, this summer in the Slack. I watched a little bit of him, and I was like, this guy is absurdly good. And yeah, people have kind of fallen out of love with him, but I'm kind of with Dan where I think that if people are looking at the tape now and kind of forgetting about what he's shown before, they are going to miss the boat on the potential player that he can be. So I'm still pretty high on him. I think that for whatever reason, he's not really winning when it comes to uh, his pass rushing like he did before. But I think it's also because he's probably playing a little bit out of position. I think he's more of an inside guy in the NFL. I, I see him as an inside defensive lineman. But actually, like a Robert Sala defense, I could actually see him playing strong side. So for some reason, the Jets did draft him. I, I think that he'd probably be a monster over there, very much like, uh, like Armstead is for the uh, 49ers. So I still like him. If he's not in the first round, I think that's egregious. I'm completely there with Dan on this one for sure. Yeah, James, I'll go to you. Yeah, no, I actually really like this take. Um, I think part of why – so, I mean, what Dan was referring to is, like, he got arrested a few weeks ago for, like, marijuana possession. But, like, I don't think the league polices that anymore. So that in and of itself is not an issue. Um, what I will say is, like, this dude for 290 pounds – he is like crazy athletic. And then he also has like pretty good hands just in terms of he has a cross chop. He has a spin move. I think he has, um, he has like one other move I'm forgetting, but like he's a really good prospect and somehow he's fallen kind of like to the side and in, in the discourse for a defensive lineman. And so I'm with Joe, I'm with Dan. This is a really good player. And I think he's probably going to, you know, everything off the field, if that checks out, he's going to be a great NFL player. Yeah, I was trying to Google how to say the man's name, but uh, Chris Kachurik 
coaching Leal is something I want to see because what what that man does for this regular defensive lineman, he got Kerry Hyder paid, he gets everyone paid. <sighs> I the one guy I wish Robert Sala could have snaked from Kyle Shanahan, but unfortunately I had to settle for LaBooth and John Ben. But um Mikai Becton has been a you know big topic on Jets Twitter. What to do with him, talking about moving him to right tackle because George Fan played so well. And uh you know, I was thinking, I was in the lab, and uh, we were looking. I was looking at pick four, and it seems like there's going to be a couple offensive tackles on the board for the Jets here. And uh, Evan Neal, I don't think, is going to be on the board for the Jets. He's, I think, the most versatile of the what I call the big three, because I think if you have any three of these guys as OT1, I'm not going to fault you. I think they're all fantastic players. And so it really looks like Charles Cross and uh, Joe. Can, you, can I say Akamu's name correctly so I don't butcher it? Equano. Okay. Aquano. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. It's a fantastic player. But uh, so I don't want, because a lot of people have talked about playing the, taking a tackle at four and then sticking him to guard and then moving him back out to tackle. I just don't want that to happen just for the sake of player development. I think you're asking a lot of a young player. So I thought of a trade from a Kai Becton and I was looking at the worst offensive lines in the NFL and Miami's one, they're out. But then I found the Carolina Panthers who have a head coach who's dumb, a GM who is new. And there's a player on the Carolina Panthers, I think, who would benefit the Jets a lot. And he has one year left on his contract. And I'm proposing to the group, Makai Becton for DJ Moore, who says no. All right, you know what? I thought you were about to say Makai Becton for like Brian Burns because that offensive line is pitiful over there. For DJ Moore, straight up, you know what, Meigs? I think that would be actually a bad move for the Jets. I got to be honest with you. I feel like you could find wide receivers late, like in the second round and above. I think you could find them in free agency. I feel like we don't know, you know, what Becton is going to be. There's a lot of uncertainty there. He could be in all pro tackle still. And I feel like trading him now for, for more, as much as I like more, and I, li- I like more a lot, you know, don't get me wrong. I feel like they might be kind of uh, kicking themselves, well, in the ass later on if Becton turns out to be the player they originally thought. So I know you thought I was going to say, let's do this one, but I want to see what Becton has left in the tank. I'm sticking okay. with Becton. Okay. So it's like, so I got the thumbs down and dodgeball. James, what do you say? Bruh, I say like emphatically, no, like this is such a bad idea. First of all. All right. So <laughs> I think people are all caught up in the fact that there were way too high expectations for his return. And that, that disappointment has kind of, affected how people view him as a player but the reality is that if you look at how he's played he's going to be one of the best offensive players in the nfl i mean like brandon thord had him over the offseason as the 34th best trench player in the nfl offensive and defensive lines that's 34th as the 10th best left tackle in the nfl and this was his first season in the nfl as a 22 year old it's like he's a he's a good player when he plays and yes there's a lot that we don't know but you can't just give up on that, especially at a cornerstone position that is purportedly like how the GM intends to build the team. Like you can't move off of that. You've got to stick it out. You know, uh, so I'm, I'm very against this trade. Okay. Dan, what do you think? This is tough. Equanu uh, is one of my favorite players in this draft. Sixth on my big board. Uh, love him. Love the player. Love his upside. But one of, the, one of the things I said about Makai Becton coming out was 
like after watching him, I was like, man, like I I feel like Tristan Wirfs is a better player, but back then, like if it clicks, damn, like no one's like this dude. <laughs> like if it clicks, like it's 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 no one's gonna be like this. Period. Uh, and then you watch him rookie year, and you're like, damn, like you actually like see it start clicking. And you're like, oh no, like this is this is it. Like we got the we got the dude. Um, so like I. I know I often say the best ability ability is availability or like it's true it's true <laughs> but I think when you when you give off some flashes like Beckton has it really it really gives you a long leash because they know hey if we if I can get if I can get like not even full if I can get most of a season from this man the offense looks completely different you know and Van came in I feel like this is what always gets us with the Jets and with all the years that we've been doing this is fan is a great, is, is like a good, he's a very good player. Uh, he's a serviceable player. He's solid. And that is deceiving. I feel like solid is always deceiving because it's like, Oh yeah, what? I haven't even noticed. He's done like a pretty good job and everything's fine. But like with Beckton, it's like, Oh wait, no, I notice him all the time. <laughs> Cause he's six, six, seven, six, eight, three fifty, and throwing people all over the field. And so it's like, like there, there's a difference still. Like Fant is serviceable, but there's still a big difference, you know. And if you bring in Aquanu, I think there still is a big difference. Like I love him, I love how good he can be, but that's a big gamble on somebody that young and unproven. And one year is not that much, but I think we saw enough from Beckton to be like, now nah, we should probably keep trying. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm wait, just gonna wait, stand wait, on the table. Meeks, for... Hold on a second, Meeks. Whoa. You thought we were all gonna say yes to this trade? Yeah, hundred percent. I thought you guys were serious. <laughs> I thought you guys were this out on Beckton. You I guys literally gonna... talk about him like he's like washed. I thought you were going to present some like epic trade. I thought no. Brian Berg was involved. I was like maybe Jeremy Chin. I was like Jeremy Chin. Oh, oh, Jeremy, like, dude, if you traded Makai Beckton for Jeremy Chin, Joe. I'm not saying straight up. I said involved. The key word there, Mike, involved in the okay, trade. Brian Berg right? is like completely unrealistic. <laughs> right, well, the whole entire trade was unrealistic, but that's okay anyway. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. Joe Douglas isn't going to trade Makai Beckton, but. I just want to say this. DJ Moore has three straight 1,100-yard seasons, and his quarterbacks have been Bro Cam Newton, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, P.J. Walker, and Sam Darnold. Like, the man is in hell, and he's just still out here producing. But uh, I love love DJ. Hold on, because I love DJ Moore. I actually got a text from Dylan just now. He says, no, you're absolutely ridiculous. You guys are crazy. Mekhi Becton, but for Mekhi Becton, for me, it's this. He could be Trent Williams. He could also be Trent Brown, and I don't want – and Trent Brown is just not a player you can rely on, and that's just the reality of it. And if people want to take a, if people want to take a tackle, put him at guard and then play the Beckton game and move that guy back to, to tackle and when fan goes, do those musical chairs. I just don't know. I think it's going to be really tough to build continuity. But, Joe, seems like you got a lot to say tonight, so I'll pass it to you. What's your half-baked idea? My take isn't really about a prospect. It's kind of, I guess, more of a philosophical approach. And I, you know, maybe you guys are going to come at me after this, but I think that this can be a top 10 to 15 defense next season. And I don't think they need to double dip on defense in the first round to get there. In fact, I think that would be borderline malpractice. And if I'm keeping it real, I think they could potentially fix it even before the draft with all the cap space this team has. And listen, in general, I don't think this defense is in dire straits like some have suggested anyway. The team fielded many young players slash first-year starters, Eccles, Carter, Riley, Quincy, Ashton Davis, and even JFM becoming 
more full-time guys pretty much for the first time in their careers. I mean, that's like half the defense, right? And it takes time to get fully adjusted to the NFL and the new system. And by next season, I think it's going to show up on the field. We even saw some things finally starting to slow down for them in the last two games against very good teams. And I think they are closer to being good than people realize. Yeah, listen, I understand we need to fill some holes or upgrade some positions. I get that. We could use a safety, maybe even two. I think, Dan, you're on board with that. Also curious to see what they do with May. Adding a linebacker to the competition would be nice. Edge could get better, and I'm sure it will with the draft and Lawson coming back. I love to bring in someone to compete with Echols too. I don't think by any means he should be penciled in as a starter. But as I said, attack free agency with the fire of a thousand suns and sprinkle in a few picks from day two and three of the draft. And this unit has top 15 potential without a doubt. I honestly don't even think that's much of a hot take. And I almost guarantee they are in that range next season if they stay healthy for the most part. And like I said, I think they could get there without going crazy in the draft, especially in round one. In fact, I think improving the offense in particular is actually another path to a better defense. Rich Samini posted this the other day, and I believe it was quite revealing. He said, um, hold on, I got it someplace here in my notes. Yeah, here it is. Here's something that shines different light on Jets' defense, ranked 32nd in points allowed in yards per game. When game close, scoring differential, one to seven points in third and fourth quarter, defense ranked 14th in yards per play. Okay, so what does that mean? In essence, when the offense is competitive and playing better, so is the defense. And what this team needs is synergy, synergy between the offense and defense to get this team where it wants to be. And I think the most pressing need, regardless of where they're ranked overall, is still on the offense. And again, Double dipping at defense, say in the first round, like some have suggested, would definitely not be the right move from my perspective. I say, keep building that offense, especially early in the draft, support your young quarterback, eat up the clock, help the defense stay fresh and win some games. That's my take. Give me Evan Neal and Drake London in round one. And that's a five eggplant draft day experience for me. Boom, hot takes, my friend. Listen, I also do want to know, Dan, I know you spend a lot of time analyzing this defense way more than I do. Do you believe that this, this could be a top 15 defense next season without spending top picks on defense in round one? So I, hmm, hmm, hmm. this is tough for me because I, I have my targets in round one that I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to like linking with them, writing up stuff about, but like if the, the key is like, if, if they hit free agency, hard and this is like a big if because i don't there's so many moving targets and so many variables and i don't know what the, like some of, some of these major teams going to the playoffs i have no idea what they're going to do with their free with their pending free agents they could throw money at players that i you know do not expect <laughs> um so like it's it's tough to 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 project it but i kind of agree and i think that the key is going to be what they do with defensive line. I, I know I, I'm, I'm biased in saying this because I've been watching them all year long, but the key is what they're going to do uh, in terms of the pass rush and defensive line. Because if they don't have pass rush in this defense, I've, like we've seen, it doesn't work. Like it, it, it just truly doesn't work um, if they're not getting to the quarterback. Uh, and to support your, what you were saying about the offense getting better, helping the defense, uh, there's something I, I was looking at um, uh, earlier this season. Uh, and I was like, oh, crap, uh, this is bad. And it kind of continued throughout the whole season. Uh, the Jets, the drives against, they are 31st 
in starting position, uh, meaning that the defense is basically screwed every time they step on the field uh, because of the offense not really doing anything. Um, so I think the Panthers are the only team that has a worst uh, opponent starting position. Um, and, you know, they had a, they struggled this season, and we know they have talent on that defense. So I think in a similar vein, like it, when the offense gets better, the defense is going is gonna to go get a lot get a lot better as well getting the players back from injury there are a ton of players who are supposed to have big roles that did not even play uh the like oddly low-key uh that will be lost forever is the LaMarcus Joyner signing because like everyone's like oh wow this is like kind of a sneaky good and he can like play in the slot and like oh yeah he's kind of versatile then we just never saw anything like not even a little bit and we'll never know uh but like we know that there are players exactly that fit that bill uh, in the draft we know their players like that uh coming up in free agency so if they attack that i think i think you're right i think they actually do get there i mean you said that you had a kind of a little bit of a different approach with the draft players you wanted to target so were you one of the guys who were actually cool with double dipping on defense in the first round is that a, a take you actually share yes so wow. I, I know i know i know i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry exactly. did you see, did you see me like sunk in his chair almost disappeared <laughs> I, I can see it like wafting over him the sadness the rage uh yeah i am actually so i mean at, at four and like I'm, I'm, i've been kind of solid with this the last few weeks i think this is kind of where i'm gonna end up like it seems like there's not a lot of options that are going to make sense for me. I'm definitely not taking a safety at four. I'm not going to uh, take any non-premium position at four. Um, so for me, it's just like, oh, Stingley's there. Cool. Kayvon somehow ends up there. Perfect. <laughs> um, uh, and like, those are, those are like two of the players that I feel like actually deserve that spot. I feel like yeah. oh, Neil at four might be a little rich for me. Ekwanu at four, I love him, might be a little rich for me. Um, any other offensive player at four still is kind of rich for me. I feel like a defensive player fits that. Would you be opposed to going, you know, back in the day Jets when they doubled up on on edge with Ellis and Abraham and doing something like that again in this draft? Ooh. So I, I really like That's the edges. In, yeah, I, I really like the edges in this draft. I, it's tough because I think that with what they have in-house, they're probably okay if they take a high-end one and then leave it. Uh, it's like it's an overwhelming amount of depth if they double dip i think all right what did you guys think about what i said you think we could be a top 10 to 15 defense mix i feel like did you roll your eyes at me i couldn't tell i was trying to no actually i actually do agree with you but if we're going into the draft where our starting two edges are bryce huff and new achilles carl lawson that's going to be a tall tall task but um i i actually want to comment on the corners this year because there's this like Brandon Eccles like Twitter debate going on where all of Jets Twitter did was to talk about how good Bryce Hall was for seven games last year and how he could actually be something as like a fifth round pick. And then Brandon Eccles basically does the same thing, but for 14 games and we're like, yo, this guy's like a CB four or five. Like, why would you ever think like this guy could like play in the NFL? And that makes no sense to me because Brandon Eccles is a way better athlete than Bryce Hall. Like, is and actually showed more flashes i think of like actually getting like near the ball and actually making plays so i don't think these corners are that far away i don't i, I would like to add a veteran to the group instead of like just using like a pick on like a first round corner or a corner at the top of the second round i think you add like a veteran in free agency you add like a marcus williams at safety and you give yourself some options to focus on the d-line in the draft 
I would feel much better about that because this isn't even like a hot take. This is just like how football is because where you rank in defense is a lot about which quarterbacks you play. Like if the Jets go from like the they were the 31st, I think, by DVOA defense to the 11th, that's not going to affect their win total as much as going from the 22nd offensive DVOA offense to the 12th. So I don't think you're crazy at all because defense is not as sticky year to year. We've seen groups make massive jumps. I mean, look at the 2019, the 2018 Niners and the 2019 Niners basically were the same team, but one team, and then they got Nick Bosa and D Ford and then they became the best defense in the NFL. Like it can change quickly. Robert Sellers got hired here for a reason because he was a really good defensive coordinator and having him and Brandon Staley need two years to show why that they got hired and need to get their guys and give them a little more time. So I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah, I'm on board with that. When Sal first came to San Francisco, those first two years, he had like the 26th and then like the 24th ranked defense. All of a sudden, boom, it shot all the way up to second because he got a couple of good players. But also the offense started to click around that time too. So I think it was kind of like, again, the synergy between those two units that helped propel the team entirely. So I think they could do it. And Dan, I'm really glad that you're here and that you kind of are into this double dip on defense in round one because there is nobody like in our entire podcast who agrees with that. So it's good to have like another the opposite opinion. And I do like the way you broke it down, but listen, I, I think if this defense isn't in like, say that top 10 to 15, then I think that Salah's got a lot to answer for, regardless of like, even how they approach this, this off season. Yeah. Jeff Ulbrich might be gone. If that's the case, James, do you have any uh, Fuego takes about this defense or are you basically in consensus with the boys? Yeah. I mean, I think it's possible, but I think it's less about talent and more about scheme. Um, I mean, there was, Look, we were talking about this actually after last pod, so it didn't make the cut. But, I mean, I think this type of defense is kind of like revolutionary war defense where it's like we line our guys up, you line your guys up. We're not going to, like, pretend to disguise what we're doing at all, and we're just going to run it. And you saw from basically ever since the Falcons game, which was the last time they ran any sort of zone blitz or simulated pressure up until two weeks ago. So that was like, what's that, like two months where they're, like, just playing straight cover one or cover two man on third downs. Like, dude, you can't do that in the NFL. Cause if team knows, if teams know you're going to play the same coverage every single third down, then they're just going to get their man beaters out and you're going to die. And that literally was the reason why we had all these like third and 15s, third and 18s that were getting given up. And so it's like, I think if the defense gets better, it's going to be more about them being a bit more multiple, you know, with what they're doing on third down, instead of just living in this man coverage world, like when we don't have the players to sustain that type of, you know, philosophy. So that's kind of my take. I feel like the reason for that, and, you know, Salad does get stuck. He was actually criticized in the Super Bowl because he was kind of rolling the same coverages over and over and over again. And when you're playing against a really great coach and a really great quarterback, eventually they're going to figure you out. But I feel like it has to do like with what I mentioned with a lot of these guys being young or like first year starters. And I feel like he's kind of trying to keep it as vanilla as possible for these guys. But next year, they're going to come in, they're going to hit the ground running. And I think you are going to see more of that kind of stuff, James. I really do. I feel like top 15 is not asking a lot from this squad. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You know, I, I just want to hammer like one point that I think that why this team played so much man is that when you have a bunch of young players, Trusting them to pass off coverages that you're going to see in zones is a fool's errand because you're going to lead to bust because these are guys who are just learning how to live in the NFL, let alone master a defense. And this is the exact reason why you don't fire Jeff Ulbrich and then bring in Vic Fangio, who runs a completely different defense, because you're not going to see the development or insert Mike Zimmer, insert any defense. Uh, Like that's just kind of how, why you have to keep the continuity in that regard. But uh, Dan, I know I like you didn't come here with one take. You came here with multiple. Let's see what else you got. Okay, so I do I do want to say real quick on that same on that same topic, uh, the player development part of Robert Sala being in, involved I think is huge. And y'all mentioned that when you're talking. That's that's everything. And I think that honestly takes like I think he takes that into in consideration with his like strategy sometimes to a fault. Uh, and that he's just like, I'm asking you to do this, and I'm going to ask you to do it for the whole season. And I remember when Jeff Ulbrich was asked about, they're like, why did you leave that player who clearly was outmatched on Island? He's like, that's how he played defense. And everyone's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, you know, like, you know. Uh, but it, it's really interesting because it's like, for us, we're like, why are you asking, like, Javelin Gendry to, to like, stay, like, on an island with Stephon Diggs? But for him, it's just like, yeah, no, get used to it. You're going to do that for a whole season. Um, and like for someone like some of these corners, like Eccles and like even Bryce Hall at times, like you can see from doing that over and over again, they like have gotten used to being like, cool, I might be wrong. I'm just going to like, <laughs> I'm going to go after this. I'm going to be sticky. I'm going to like grab on. I'm going to like cover as hard as I can. And they got better. Um, but I think we will, we will be seeing player ceilings quicker than we have in the past because they're not going to get hidden. It's just going to be, you know, straight in front of us of like, Hey, this player is either good enough or they're not. And, you know, Will know is at the same time Joe Douglas knows. Um, uh, okay, I think my other take is one that James hates, and I'm so glad I get to bring it to draft season. Uh, it really just warms my heart. Uh, George Pickens. Uh, <laughs> George Pickens. Uh, one of my favorite rivals here is in this class. Um, Bro, I love him. Let's go. Yeah. That is 11th on my board. 11th on my board. Yo, Dan, you're um, crazy. Yeah, this was, you're crazy. <laughs> 11th on my board. I have him as wide receiver one. Uh, I don't think I even need to say anything else. Uh, but <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts there? You know, Pickens never got hurt. 
I think that was the trajectory for him. I mean, I think a lot of us had him as like wide receiver one, but I, I feel like there's so many reservations with that injury, you know, but I do agree with you that people are sleeping on him because if he is the same player, then why wouldn't you still have him in the same range? So for that, I kind of applaud you sticking to your guns, but at the same time, there's, I mean, there's so many good wide receivers in this draft class. You haven't gone through that. So I just can't, I can't put Pickens in my top 11 like that, but he is in my top 50, you know? Uh, I'll just say this. I view George Pickens, how I view Justin Ross. And I think they're both good players. I just have massive injury questions with them and the variance of what they could possibly be. Cause George Pickens has always just been like, you see these flashes and he hasn't had like, I think he like the most like receiving yards he has in a season is like 700 in the SEC. Like he's, played successive good games but he doesn't have like that breakout season uh i call him the chauncey gardner johnson of uh wide wide receivers because all that guy does is talk trash i was dying when they were playing michigan and he blocked the guy looked at the sideline and then pointed at him he literally got into a fist fight during the georgia tech game where they were up like 50 absolutely love the vibes he brings but uh wide receiver one is not something i can entertain nor have entertained since the summer james i think go for it did i misrepresent you james no, bro, I'm with you. I mean, okay, so not with the wide receiver one part, but I do think he's an excellent player. And before the season, I was on the Pickens wide receiver one bandwagon. So he's a guy that I really like. I mean, I think when you just look at the profile of basically he's been starting ever since he was a freshman for an SEC team, and he's just been physically dominant ever from the start. I mean, he attended – I remember I was doing background work on him before. Stuff that you can actually see on the new draft season website – which basically was like he went to a high school in Alabama that's won like 11 of the last like 20 state championships. And like ever since he was a freshman, he was like ragdolling people on scout team. And he was just like an absolute menace who was just way more physically dominant than anybody else. And so I don't really like I know that there's there's like every time you get a player who's like plays with attitude, like sometimes gets into fights, like there's this whole like, oh, well, how is he off the field? Like and that's one of the like laziest like analyses that can be done in my opinion because it's like somebody being competitive on the field is very different than somebody like having actual problems off the field and it's like just because he gets into fights like who cares like that just shows he's competitive like I don't have a problem with that so it's like I like I like the player I think if he were to come out he'd probably be a late first round pick if he goes back he'd probably be a top 15 pick so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens yeah, I, I, I just, I love him. And like, I, I think the, it is, a lot of it is like the competitive nature because I think that always fires me up. Uh, and I think like every team needs players like that, like as much as they think they don't. Like, like Meigs was saying, like, I'm sure the Saints didn't understand what they were getting in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson until they brought him into the building and were like, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, like he's a yeah, Michael Thomas punched him in the face. Exactly. And they're like, I love this guy. We should have drafted him. Actually, we drafted that pick to the Saints, which actually ended up being Gardner Johnson. I don't know if you guys. The fact that he fell to the fourth round is still one of the more mind boggling draft day like events of my life. It's insane. Like, it's almost almost like he he took it too far and he probably like made fun of some scouts, like family or something. And they're like, oh, no, off my board. but like, no, he's like crazy competitive and like takes it to the next level for the whole defense, you know, and it's, it's awesome to see that, um, especially him getting in Brady's face. There's nothing better uh, this season, but um, 
Yeah, no. So a player like Pickens, obviously, like you're saying, he's he's always going to get tug at your heartstrings with stuff like that. But like, I think it's it's exactly what James was mentioning about like him looking physically like superior since freshman year, and it hasn't changed. I think that was one thing I wanted to see when he came back from the injury was I was like, oh, has this significantly changed? And it hasn't. Like he's he, he's doing releases on like a bum knee that he probably didn't take the time to rehab enough because Lord knows like. SEC schools and injuries um, like he, he's doing all those releases on a bum knee uh, and looking incredible uh, and making plays like every now and then he'll, he'll catch a long bomb like towards the end of the season then go to the sideline because the coaches are like all right take it easy you know um, and he's still like yeah I'm still here I'm still this <laughs> um, so like yeah I think I think that's what for me was like oh crap no I'm still I'm still I'm still on the bag wagon here <laughs> Okay, I have a I have a spice I think I have a spicy wide receiver take that I think is this trope that gets spewed out by everyone now that wide receivers aren't a premium position that needs to have a first round pick spent on them and you can find wide receivers in day two sometimes day three of the draft and honestly I just think that that's kind of fool's gold so uh, I was go- I went through all the All Pro teams from this year till 2011 so basically which i create like 2011 like after that lockout we see the real passing boom where just teams don't have the time to practice and offense really starts to really really take over and there were 16 wide receivers who made an all pro team who uh were on their rookie contract 10 of those were first round picks six of those were picked in rounds two through seven and six of the first rounders did it multiple times. Only one of the second was a second round pick was Michael Thomas did it multiple times. And for me, everyone talks about the value you get for having a player in the mid rounds, being a very good, being a high level wide receiver. But after your rookie contract, that value kind of goes away. Like Keenan Allen was taken in the third round. Mark Cooper was picked four overall when they're both making $20 million. That's the same thing. You don't get to play the trope that, Devontae Adams was a second round pick and now he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Devontae Adams didn't become the best wide receiver in the NFL until he was two years into his second contract. So the thing with first round wide receivers that I don't think left people understand is that, yeah, can a second round wide receiver like out be as productive in, in at the end of it? Yeah. But the guys who were picked in the first round for a reason go like that and they develop quicker. And I think that's what you see and look at the two LSU guys. Look at Jamar Chase, who stepped on the field, was an all-pro as a rookie. Justin Jefferson has been in the league for two years. He's going to be a two-time all-pro. And I just think that we've seen that recent example over the years where wide receiver is a premium position. It's not the position that's so hard to play for new players like it's once talked about. And it's a position that you need multiple of them, and that should be used in the first round more often than not. Like I kind of hear what you're saying. I just feel like it doesn't erase the fact that I think only six of like the 18 guys who had a, a thousand yards receiving this year were first round picks, only six of like 18. Well, excluding the last week of the season. And as far as like Jefferson and Chase, those guys are like anomalies, man. Those, those guys are unicorns. It usually does take even first round wide receivers time to develop. And with all the receivers that are in this particular draft, and they're all kind of, from my estimation, in the same tier, I think you can potentially wait to the second round and still get like that thousand yard guy, even though I feel like all the information you, you came up with is pretty sound. And I, I do kind of get what you're saying. I, I still believe that you could find receivers late. They could be studs. And I think that potentially going after one just because of like Jamar Chase or like Justin Jefferson, 
I don't know if that's the right approach, you know, from my perspective. Okay. I mean, I don't, I see what you're saying. I just think if you want, if, if, if you want the wide receiver who's going to help Zach Wilson and you're about developing Zach Wilson, that second rounder is going to become that thousand yard guy more likely in his third year than his first two years. And if that's what you want, and that's what you care about that long player development and that's your philosophy, that's sound. I don't disagree with you, but I think, and it's not just the LSU guys like DeAndre Hopkins did it. He was picked in the, I think, 29. Well, Mike Evans did it. Calvin Ridley, who every Jets fan wants to trade for now, did it. It's not just those guys. I think it's been a trend that's been going on. And, yeah, Justin Jefferson, he got the 1,400 yards. Jamar Chase got the 1,400 yards when they were younger. But I think having a 1,000-yard receivers in your second year happens more with first-round picks than it does with the midday guys. And I think it really takes them a couple more years. And that's really why I want to debunk this, that – wide receiver isn't something you should spend a first round pick on, which is a trope in draft circles. But James, I know you've always got some fire wide receiver takes. What do you have for me? Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess what I'd say is I think there's a difference between like a high first round receiver and then one that's taken way later in the first round. Because I mean, if you look at it, most teams would say that any year they have on average 15 to 20 first round prospects on their board. Then, just because, you know, there are 32 picks in the first round doesn't mean that there are 32 players graded out as first round picks. And so I think one of the things that you see if you look at drafts is that the players who go in that 25 to 32 range are much more similar to the players who go in that 32 to 40 range than they are to players who went in mid first. And so there is a big drop off early to late. And so I think that's one thing. The other thing I'd say is like, just generally speaking, I generally think that Building wide receiver core is more about your weakest link than your best player. Teams can figure out ways to take away your best player schematically, but if you have guys who can each win, it's very difficult to defend that. So I think it's more about building out depth, but I'm curious to hear what Dan thinks. Yeah, I like, so uh, first of all, I have to say um, all of that was a big promotion for uh, Keishon Booty next year. Cause look, I mean, that LSU coaching staff is ridiculous. I don't know how they keep doing that, but um, I have to say, like, it, it it's a little, I feel like it's kind of more about what teams um, tend to do on the day, because like, we have, we've seen some drafts in the past where the run on receiver starts early, and then teams freak out, and they start doing all the, all sorts of stuff, and you're like, oh, no, I need to get my guy, I need to get my guy, I need to get my guy, and then uh, the drop off is more significant, because everyone took, everyone kind of overdrafted a bunch of receivers, because they didn't want to miss it, miss out on their guy. Um, and then in some drafts, receivers go super late, and then you end up with a second round pick that's like, no, this guy was you know first round talent, um, but like teams just didn't go on the run, and they thought that player would be there. Uh, and for the Jets fans, they thought that player would be Denzel Mims, and they thought Denzel Mims would go in the first round. He didn't go in the first round. He went. He went when the Jets got him. Uh, and now we're like, oh, was this the reason? But like, not really. <laughs> it's more so just that like teams are like, nah, I like I'm I'm not I'm not in on the receivers this year. Let them drop, let them drop, let them drop, let them drop, and then somebody takes a chance. Um, so I, I think I think it, it does matter when the run on receiver starts. But I think the like second wide receivers, like what you're saying about like their their kind of their uh, their production starting around second second year, third year. Like I think it's an interesting it's an interesting topic because in some of the players where they did bloom late, they really bloomed. And I think it's kind of an interesting uh, conundrum of like, 
do you think you're going to have a, an early impact player that's going to steadily rise at the same uh, progression as somebody who you might get in the second round who's going to start at a level where you have to work with them and then explode? So like somebody like, a, uh, like again, no one's going to always have this happen to them, but Cooper Cuff, uh, who, you know, the Rams were like, yeah, he's a good player. We like him. You know, draft him in a position where, you know, it's comfortable for them. Um, you don't have to overdraft him, get him in a nice, comfortable spot, bring him in, develop him, and then you're like, oh, crap, this is a much better player. This maybe can be a key to our offense. Uh, and then, like, the further along you go, you're like, whoa, this is a way better player than we thought. Like, let's really get him and get him, like, make him the, the focal point of the offense. Um, and then, like, all of a sudden, he's the, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Um, like, I think you don't really, if, if you're confident that there's a possibility with that ceiling on, in a second round player, I feel like, um, that is more than worth a player in the first round that you're like, yeah, he's good now. And like, I'm kind of unsure about a ceiling, but he's definitely good now. Uh, and I think that's where teams get a little mixed up sometimes with uh, like waiting and not waiting to kind of draft these first round players. But, but you, you also have to make sure that you're part of the scouting department or front office that likes Justin Jefferson more than Jalen Rieger. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, no, no but I mean. For, for every Mike Evans, there's Laquan Treadwell. No, I don't. But that that's you can say about every position. I guess my main point, this isn't even really a hot take, is that if you're preaching that Zach Wilson needs a wide receiver one for his development, that guy's not coming in the mid-rounds when Zach Wilson is developing. Because the guy you brought up, Cooper Cup, who was going offensive player of the year, this happened in year five. And did anyone even see it coming after watching Cooper Cup in year four? I didn't. I thought Cooper Cup was a really good football player. I didn't think. Oh, you thought you thought he was first team All Pro, Dan? Uh, I actually have receipts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you I, go. I, mean, I did. I, I, I did a no. I, I did a Ram study like two years ago when I was doing some stuff for after we hired Gase, and I was depressed, and I wanted to see how the offense could work. Uh, and I was like, oh crap, Cooper Cup is maybe the best player on this team, or at least in, on offense. Uh, and I like tweeted something like, oh, look out for Cooper Cup. He's going to have a ridiculous season. Uh, and then he did. And then he kept doing it. So no, I didn't think he was going to get this. But no, like he, yeah. he like kept getting better, which was insane. But like yeah. I figured he was going to break out. But yeah. maybe that's something to do with the fact that he got a better quarterback. But I'll leave that away. <laughs> <laughs> but we have one last take about James is out here to crush some hearts about a player that everyone on Jets Twitter loves. So let's hear it, James, you know. Play that smallest violin for everyone. <laughs> yeah, so it's a guy who's super, super talked about right now. Traylon Burks, wide receiver from Arkansas. A big fan favorite among Jets fans. Um, basically, my take is that he's not a good fit for this team. Now, the general like prevailing narrative is, oh, well, it's this massive, super athletic SEC receiver. He's built like a brick. He has 5XL hands. This is basically A.J. Brown reincarnated. And my biggest issue is size-wise, there are some similarities and the toughness and jump ball ability is also a similarity. But the, the crucial difference is he can't move like A.J. Brown side to side. You know, he can't make people miss like A.J. Brown does. Super upright, super stiff. And he's a great player. And I think people are kind of saying he's AJ Brown. And I think he's a little bit more chase Claypool or a little bit more that like very linear player, not that super fluid one. But when you look at what this offense asks a receiver to do, 
it's a route tree that requires a lot of, a lot of fluidity, a lot of mobility, like through the hips to make cuts. I mean, if you look at the route tree in any of the Shanahan playbooks, I mean, it's like all these squiggly lines. And so it's like, I almost think, and this is going to be a massive reversal on the take that I had where I basically body bagged the guy, but I almost think Drake London is a better fit for this offense than Traylon Burks. And it's because of the movement ability that London has. And so I'm kind of curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Joe, well, you're the number one Drake London believer. Go for it. The only thing I could say is that I'm just so thrilled right now that James has joined the Drake London hive because Drake London would actually be my wide receiver one if I didn't have reservations about his, uh, his injury. Um, that's how much I like him. As far as trailing Burks, I, I completely, in, in some ways, agree with James. I feel like Burks you know, like pretend, not like Mims, but they want their wide receivers to be able to do everything. Right. And I think that Burks is probably further away from doing everything than a lot of other wide receivers in this draft. And yeah, he does have some stiffness to him. A lot of people compare him to a running back, but he does not move as fluidly as a running back does. Does he have ridiculous acceleration when he gets a ball? Yes. It's all the worldly. It's beautiful. I completely agree with that, but I do fear that he'll come to this team and not be able to do all the things that are required of him. And he might, you know, honestly, he might uh, be Brandon Ayuk. He might be Denzel Mims. He might be Dante Pettis. I mean, I could see that happening to him on this team. So I'm with James on that. And as far as wide receivers go and fit, I don't think, like if it was between him and London, I would pick London over him in a heartbeat. If it was between him and Wilson, I would pick Wilson over him in a heartbeat. So I might even pick Chris Olave over him in a heartbeat as well. Yeah. So I know people are putting him pretty up there, like top 10. I don't see him in that regard, especially because a lot of the things that James said. So, you know what, James, I'm right there with you, my man. I'm feeling it. Dan, you look like, you look like you're ready to burst. I know you got to take about this. So, okay. Uh, I like Traylon Burks, but I think, I think I agree with, with James because I think what's happening with Traylon Burks is what happens every single year around draft time is People watch a player, they see like certain certain attributes, and then they see a player who's exploding at the moment, and they're like, that's that player, that's the same thing, and that's why I want that player. Uh, and so like, I think play, people are seeing like some of the receivers that are excelling this season, like Debo and other players, and they're like, wait, a big wide receiver, like kind of brolic, kind of gets yak sometimes, like, oh, a jet sweep? He did that in Arkansas? Is this the same player? And it's just like, no, it's, it's really, it's really not like, <laughs> I think that was actually, yeah, that, that you mentioned the lateral movement. And I know it's a, it's a sticky subject with a lot of people because of what happened with DK. And I think even now people are confused about DK because everyone's like, wait, but what is DK? <laughs> like you saw great things. And then now we're like, wait, but no, like what, what is DK Metcalf? Like nobody has any idea. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, no, Traylon Burks is is definitely not as agile as somebody like Debo or some of the like wide receivers that we're seeing that are kind of exploding right now in certain offenses. Uh, and I think that a lot of people want him to be like that. He's great straight line speed. And there's nothing wrong. He's a great player. He's just, you know, like you're saying, he's going to be asked to do certain things in his Jets offense that we've seen stiff players ask to do and not succeed at. So that would be a problem. Yeah, I agree with all you guys. I'm sorry, Meeks. For the people out there that think he moves like Debo Samuel, they need to go watch Debo Samuel. <laughs> yeah, I can link you guys a video. Trust me. Oh. Why, like that 55-yard catch he made in the two-minute drill, Traylon Burks don't got that in his bag. 
I don't even like. I don't even understand. Watching Debo doesn't even make sense. Man. Yeah. I'm just, what What is He's that? So good. He's so 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 good. But uh, James, I completely agree with you with Traylon Burks. Any like, I do not understand anyone who mocks Traylon Burks in the top ten who wants to use the second first round on Traylon Burks. Like, I don't get it at all. Like, if you want someone who we were just talking about who's going to take three or four years to explode. Traylon Burks is exhibit A because he has traits that you really like, but the well-roundedness to his game is a question mark. And you don't use a top 10 pick on someone who has those question marks. Like, like, because I know Dan brought up DK. Like if, if Traylon Burks runs four, three, three, and if AJ Brown, who had a six, nine, nine, three cone at 225 pounds and had a four, two, five, 20 yard, if, Traylon Burks is in that area and he really tests out that he has those lateral agility skills. And because he plays in the Bryles offense, but doesn't really have a real quarterback and it's a little wonky uh, and he didn't really get to see all of his ability, like which Brandon, you kind of happened to him at Arizona state. He would he only ran through routes in college because he was asked to, not because he was incapable of doing it. I could be talked into it, but right now, no chance would I take him in the top 10, no chance would I take him over either Ohio state wide receiver, but uh, boys, Episode got a little bit off the rails. Guys hurt my feelings, but I guess you guys like Makai Becton more than I thought. So it is what it is. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Please, everyone, go follow Dan on Twitter. Jetson Jolliffe, right? Got that? Yes, sir. Yep. Dan is one of the best writers at TOJ. He's in the trenches. is must read every week. And, uh, Dan, uh, I was listening to Badlands today with Joe and Connor. And the theory I've been pitching the draft season, guys, basically for weeks now, they can attest to this, was – Jaguars take Evan Neal because they need the tackle. Hutchinson goes to Detroit because Michigan. And then Nick Asario comes from what team? New England Patriots. What does New England like to do? Build from the back. And then we get to watch an entire one Jets drive season of Carl Lawson and Kayvon Thibodeau watching attack on Titan, just talking about pass rush moves. What do you think, my man? I would, I would sob. I would sob if they ended up with Kayvon. Legit. I would be so happy. This is this like we don't ask for much. We don't ask for much. This is all we want. But uh great episode, guys. Make sure you're subbed to Badlands. Make sure you're subbed to the turn on the Jets pod. We'll see you next week.